Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, April 29th. We've got a big day lined up for you. We're going to open the phone lines right now, so start dialing 855-950-3835. If you dial right now, I promise you'll get a line. I'll be getting to those calls here in a bit. I do have a fairly long open today. Several things I want to talk about. I want to add to my open yesterday and give you some more ideas on what you could be doing. But I kind of want to give you an update first on where we are in a lot of ways in our government right now. Some shocking news yesterday. I'm having a hard time believing I didn't wake up in North Korea or communist China based on what they announced yesterday. I'll talk about that. I do have a couple book reviews uh, as part of my open today, and also uh, after my open, I'll be joined by John and Joel, and it's a freaky free-for-all Friday from there on. So let's dive right in and get to it. Let's, uh, Let's talk about what's going on in the industry itself, and Noel Perry put out a report yesterday. I got an email from him about this, and it's not looking good. Um, we know that, but it's actually looking worse than what we thought. The more information we get, the worse this is looking. Um, part of the report yesterday from the government was that uh, we are in negative GDP growth. That is the first indicator of a looming recession. It used to be we had to have that indicator for two full quarters. Now they just say several months. Well, we've already had our first month of negative GDP growth, and it was a huge shift, and I don't think anybody saw it coming. That's not a good sign. Um, I checked van rates are now now down 89 cents a mile since their peak. 89 cents a mile down since the peak. I got thinking of that. You want to put that into perspective. My first contract paid 71 cents a mile. And now the rates are down 89 cents. That's pretty incredible. Um, fuel is up 54 cents a gallon this week. Those are not good signs. So we really, it's why I decided to continue on with my theme from yesterday. I want to give you every tool possible to help you make it through this. We'll continue to do that. Before I get to that though, um, I do have to talk about this announcement by the government yesterday. I'm having a hard time even believing this. I'm having a hard time saying this. The Department of Homeland Security. So that's a fairly new agency, definitely new in my lifetime. Um, as far as I remember, it was formed right after 9-11, uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong about that, but I think that's when this started. 
Uh, or maybe it existed before that. Now we just hear more about it. I'm not really sure. Um, the Department of Homeland Security has more weapons and ammunition than any other agency in the government except the DOD. Now, the DOD comprises all of the military branches. But after the DOD, the government agency, enforcement agency, with the most weapons and the most ammunition is the DHS. Now, here's why that's important. The DHS just announced that they have formed, listen to this, if, you've, if you read Atlas Shrugged, and if you haven't, you should go read it. Go listen to it. It's 56 hours, and it's an excellent book. It's entertaining, but boy, is it scary right now. Uh, I don't remember some of the names of government agencies from the book, but I may just go back and reread it again. Um, the DHS has started the Disinformation Governance Board. Our government, an enforcement agency of our government with guns and ammunition and enforcement powers, now has something called the Disinformation Governance Board. Well, the first thing I'd like them to do is design define disinformation and misinformation you can't there is no definition you can't have laws or rules or regulations or enforcement boards that can't define what it is they're going to enforce besides that i don't care if everything i say is absolutely wrong I don't care if I'm talking about a vaccine or an election or anything, and everything I say is provable to be wrong. I still have the right to say it as an American. This is a line we cannot let our government cross. This is where we finally need to take a stand. If you want to live, continue to live in a free country, which as of right now with this board, it's no longer a free country. Your government now says we have a board that, and they say they are going to crack down, their words, crack down on disinformation and misinformation on social media. They don't, they don't tell us what crackdown means, but this is an agency with enforcement powers and weapons, lots of them. That's not a free country anymore. I don't even want to argue about whether what somebody says is right or wrong. It doesn't matter. They have the right to say it. We can't let our government shut people up because they don't agree with what they say. Now, I could spend all day on the massive amounts of disinformation around COVID that the government put out. They're the biggest spreader by far. This is absurd. They told us the vaccine was 98% effective. They said it hundreds of times. An absolute lie, and they knew it at the time. That's just one. But it doesn't matter. This isn't about whose information is right or wrong. We need to stop even talking or arguing about that. That's not the point. The point is, as an American citizen, you're allowed to say almost anything you want. We know the rules that have been enforced around free speech, and it's not this. 
this should scare the shit out of everybody. It certainly scares me. But I'm not backing down. In fact, I'm doubling down. I will talk about and say whatever I want about their vaccine or COVID or the government or the southern border or the election or whatever the hell I want to talk about. I'll talk about it. Now, as always, I'll try to make sure I bring you the best information I can possibly find. Will I be wrong about things? Absolutely. Will I be right about a lot of things? Sure will, but it doesn't matter. We're allowed to say them, and we all need to start saying them. We all need to stop being quiet because we're afraid. This is just, this is as wrong as anything I have seen in my lifetime. And I can't believe, well, yes, I can believe that it's not all over the media because the media is a part of this. The media wants us to shut up. This is why the left is so freaked out about Elon Musk buying Twitter and conservatives starting their own platforms, libertarians starting their own platforms. That's what we're doing. Doesn't seem like such a foolish idea now, does it? We, we've been criticized and questioned over why we would put all this money and time and effort into something that already exists. Why reinvent the wheel? This is why. I'm so glad we're doing this, and I'm so glad we have the ability to do this, but we need a whole lot more Americans to stand up and say, not no, but hell no. You know, in one of my, today's just, I, I've just been thinking about so many books. I'm going to review two of them. Not political, just to help you get through this. What's coming in our economy and our um, our industry specifically. Um, one of the books I'm reminded of, though, my my saying at the end of every show, I say it at the end of every show because it's so important to what I do and what we should all be doing. We should be doing things in our life that matter, that are important, that impact other people in a positive way. When, you've, when you do that, though, and I have no idea how to explain this, the concept comes from the book, um, The War of Art. There's also another book written by the same author called Do the Hard Work. And that's the phrase that I took from that book, and I use it constantly. Do the hard work. Now, if you've read the book, you know the concept. Can't explain it. But when you're doing the real hard work, the resistance shows up. That's the term the author uses for the resistance. The resistance could be all kinds of crazy things. It could be you trying to eat healthy and your friends and family around you trying to sabotage you. There's a great example. Oh, come on, just eat it. It's just one slice of pizza. You're not going to die. And if you eat like you want to eat the rest of your life, you might as well be dead. You've all heard those things. That's the resistance. When you want to better yourself, you run into resistance. We've all experienced it. If you haven't experienced it, you probably haven't done many important things in your life. Something to think about. There's an analogy out there. If you put a bunch of crabs in a pot, as soon as one of them, it, crab pots, the crabs can get out. 
But as soon as one of them tries to climb out, the rest of them jump on them and pull them back down. That's the resistance. The more important the work you are doing, the stronger the resistance will be. It's a great indicator to know when you're on target. Another saying, when you're, when you're receiving massive amounts of flack, you're right over the target. Well, guess what? We are dead center on the target. Everything I've been saying for the last two years has brought heat down, and it's getting hotter, and that's fine. It just tells me what I'm doing is what I should be doing, and I'm not going to stop. I could use your help, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I don't ask for help often, and I'm not really asking for any kind of donations or any funds. or All I'm asking is if you believe that our products and services are worthwhile and provide value, then please make it a point to buy them. Profit Gages, HealthyTribe.com, TruckingTribe.com, our store at Let's Truck, Let's If there's value there for you, if it's a product that, that will add value to your life or a service, please make it a point to support us. And I promise we'll take that money to fight this fight because it needs to happen and it needs to happen now. And I'm not going to spend any more time on this today. I know it's a political topic and I'm going to be launching a political show so I can do more of this. And if you don't want to listen to it, you won't have to. I hope you will. I, I really hope you will listen because I think we are at a critical the most critical turning point in the history of our politics, certainly during my lifetime, and I believe a whole lot longer than that. All right, one more thing on um, the economy and our industry specifically. I, I, um, the email I got from um, Noel Perry, there's one sentence in here that shocked me, and I don't get shocked from too much of what I read from Noel, and I trust his analysis. He's been spot on many, many times. Here's the sentence. Combine bad energy, high fuel prices, what we're talking about, bad inflation, add in bad global politics, and you have the most threatening economic environment for trucking since at least 1980. 1980. I've been making a big point to say if you got into the industry after 2008, you haven't seen anything like what's coming. Noel Perry is now telling us if you haven't been, if you started in the industry after 1980, you don't know what could be coming. This could, this is, he says, the worst environment since 1980. Now, here's the interesting thing. That really means the worst environment for trucking since the beginning of modern-day trucking. You can't compare anything prior to 1980 to today's trucking. They're two totally different industries. One was heavily financially regulated and controlled by the government. Totally different world. After 1980, everything changed. Technically, this is a brand new industry since 1980. Brokers didn't really exist prior to that time. That's how different this world is. So what we're saying is we're about to see the worst environment ever in trucking. 
That's pretty scary. But I've always said, no matter how bad things get, somebody's going to move the freight and somebody's going to make money doing it. I used to say, I want to make sure I'm a part of that. I don't have trucks anymore. I want to make sure you're a part of that. So to build on what I talked about yesterday, uh, I got thinking. You know, I, I gave you some very, very specific things to do. Get your finances in order, both personal and business. If you missed the show yesterday, go back and listen to it. I gave you some very specific tools to get those numbers together. I committed to the fact that if you'll do the, num- the work to get the numbers together, we'll create a place to post it in truckingtribe.com, and I'll go in and help you with those numbers at no charge. I'll also recruit other people who are very good at it to help me out in there. So I don't care how many of these we get, we'll get them done. I'll find people. I'll pay people if I have to. I want to help people get through this. So, again, if you didn't hear the show yesterday, go back and listen to it. I don't want to go over it all again today. I want to add to it today. I want to give you a couple more very powerful tools to help you get through this. I'm going to talk about two books. In some ways, they couldn't be more different. The first book. Well, let me give you both books, and then I'll tell you why they're so different. Who Moved My Cheese is book number one. Won't take me long to talk about that one. And The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is the second book. That one may take me some time. I will warn you, it's not an easy read. When times are tough, we can't go with easy. We've got to do the hard work. Reading and understanding this book can sometimes be hard work. I hope I can help you with it a little bit today. But I'll... I'll when I get to the book, I'll, I'll give you another uh, strategy on, on how to read it to be more effective. But let's talk about the first book and why I chose this. Who Moved My Cheese? This is what's called a parable. It's written, I believe it's like the third or fourth grade level. Uh, if you are from my generation, you should probably remember Aesop's fables. That's what this is. Fables, parables, they're simple stories with a lesson, usually a moral lesson or a life lesson. Um, Aesop's fables, there's lots of them. I think they're awesome. I wish our kids would read more of those kind of things today. Um, But this book is, is similar. It's called A Parable. So it's teaching us a lesson in a very, very simple story written again at elementary school level very short, not hard to get through in uh, maybe an hour or so. I don't think it's much longer than that. It is available on Audible, so you can listen to it. And again, it's, a, it's basically a children's story. It's about some mice and some people, and they're in a maze, and their cheese gets moved. The book is all about dealing with change. So each one of the characters in the book deal with change very differently, and you get to see the results. I can't think of a more important book right now, even though it's so simple. Honestly, it's something you would read in elementary school. 
but I can't think of a book that's more important because I can't think of a time, even though change has been constant with us for a long time and keeps moving faster and faster, I can't think of a time where we may be going through more profound changes than what we're going to go through right now in so many ways in the way we live, in the way we interact, in the way we communicate, in the way we work, in the way we travel. Our government is changing. The, the global politics are changing. It's hard to get your head around it, and it's easy to stick your head in the sand and say, I just don't want to deal with it. We have to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it. I, I, like I say, I'm going to create segments. Um, so if you don't want to listen to this stuff, you don't have to. But I'm not there yet. I'm not ready. And I, I'm going to take this time to do it because it's critically important that you hear this as soon as possible and decide for yourself whether you want to deal with this head on and fight back or if you want to roll over and stick your head in the sand and say, whatever happens, happens. It's up to you. It's still a free country. Uh, but if enough of us don't speak up and stop it now, it may not be for much longer. So it really, all I'm going to say about who moved my cheese is that it gives you a new way of thinking about change, and it points out how four different ways of thinking about change, dealing with change, and reacting to change, how it affects the outcome. Just be, we can't control the change itself. We can control how we react and respond to that change. And that's what this book will teach you. Again, super simple, easy read, quick. You could have this downloaded onto a device in a couple of minutes and you could finish it before lunch. Now, the next book, though, not quite so simple. You've got to work at this one. Here's what I would recommend. I wish I would have done this when I read the book. I blew through this book just like I do every other book. I read fast. I want to get on to the next book. Um, I read this book over 30 years ago. This is a classic. In fact, I put a link. Um, I put links to both of these books and you know my open up on uh, both Healthy Tribe and TruckingTribe.com. So head on over there if you're interested in these. Uh, you can just click on the link and get both of these books on audio. Here's how I would approach this book. I would approach this book like a course, like a class. And I would take each chapter and I would read the chapter and then I would work on that idea. I would not, I wouldn't even recommend reading through the book once. Sometimes I do recommend that. Read through it once, then go back. I wouldn't recommend that with this one. Read one chapter and work on that idea in your life. Make notes, make plans. How can you use that concept in your life? There are seven concepts. So even if you took a week on each chapter to read it and then work through it and make some plans and some notes and some things you're absolutely going to do to put that information to use, you'd be able to do this in two months. But you will be so much more effective at everything you do in life if you master these seven skills. 
and you're not going to master them in two months, but you're going to understand them and you should come out of this with a plan on how to use them in your life. I, I will tell you almost every project I've ever worked on since I read this book, I try to build around this framework. I may go back and do each one of these steps as a, a week uh, because I didn't get as much. And I've, I've gone back to this book many times. I've never gone back and reread the whole thing. I may go back and do that now one chapter at a time. So I'm going to go through the chapters uh, and kind of give you an idea of what these things mean. So each chapter is one of the seven habits. The first habit, be proactive. Be proactive. What does that mean? That means that you act, you don't react. That you you gather information, whether we're talking about your life, your money, your business, your health, whatever it might be. You don't sit back and wait. I mean, think about how we approach health. We wait until we get sick. We get some sort of a symptom. We don't feel right. And then we go to the doctor and we now know what a horrible idea that is because we will then be sick for the rest of our life and we'll be sicker the longer it goes on. What we recommend is be proactive about your health. Don't wait change. I, there's so much good information out there about how to be far healthier than we've ever been, but you have to go do it. And many, many times I get those calls. I've been listening to you talk about this for years and I had a heart attack last week. Yep. That'll usually motivate people. Why wait? If you wait to address your health and you just keep doing what you've always done, I promise you, you will have a health emergency. Why wait for the health emergency? Get proactive. Don't be reactive. St- that means now. That, that being proactive is the a- opposite of procrastination. Procrastination is always being in a reactive mode, waiting, and even then putting things off. Many people have the heart attack. They're on two drugs for diabetes. They still don't do anything. Don't do that. Don't do that. The more you do that in our current world, the more you're going to suffer. All right, two. I love this one. I, this, this changed every project I've ever worked on for the better. Begin with the end in mind. This makes creating a plan for what you want to accomplish drop dead simple. It's so easy and it's so powerful. Begin with the end in mind. If you want to accomplish something and you're not sure what this means, call me and I'll help you with the, your, your specific goal. If you have a goal, a desire, an outcome you want to achieve, start by writing down exactly what achieving that goal or that outcome looks like. If you have a goal around health, then start. Don't say, well, I need to start eating better. No, don't start there. Start with the end. Begin with the end in mind. So, 
write out, draw out, make pictures, use poster boards, put things up on your mirror, put them on your dash in the truck so you see them all day long. What does the end look like? How healthy do I want to be at the end of this journey? What's the weight I want to be? How strong do I want to be? What do I want my blood pressure to be? How do I want to feel every day? Get specific about that. Get emotional about it. Use powerful words to describe it. Then work backwards. It's so easy. And truck drivers should be better at this than anybody because this is how we get our job done every day. We don't start driving down some random street and then try to figure out where to turn without clearly defining what our destination was first. You should be really good at this. Just start applying it to your life. Put first things first. So now we created the end. We, we began with the end in mind. We worked backwards. We have a plan. Now, what are the most important things you need to do? And I'll tell you this right now. They're almost always the things you don't want to do. Almost always. The most important thing you should be doing is almost always the thing you don't want to do. You have to put those things first. My my philosophy of in, in saving money and investing money and get financially healthy, I've said many, many times, I tried budgets. They don't work for me. I don't like them. And I had to find another way. And this idea helps with that way. Put first things first. Figure out what the most important financial goal you have is. And if it's saving an emergency fund, then everything else gets put after that you fund that first it's almost the opposite of what everybody does that's why most people never achieve any kind of financial independence the next one habit number four think win-win let me give you an example Um, let me give you an example i just talked about in my open supporting us i don't want you to just donate money to me because in some ways when we're talking about a project like this like we we need to fight back against the government i've never really done that i'm not sure how to do it i i will tell you that i'm going to use everything i've learned from books like this and i'm pretty confident i'll figure this out pretty quick I'm pretty confident I have some very, very powerful allies that are also working on this, and I'll join forces with them, and they're growing every day. I'm actually shocked at some of the people I'm now in contact with and how much power and how many connections they have. I'm grateful for that. But that's also because I've lived these rules for most of my adult life now, 30 plus years since I read this book the first time. That's why I'm in this position now that I have some of those allies that I can lean on. But I can't tell you what the outcome of this is going to be. I can't tell you if you, this is why I don't want you to donate money. If, if I were to just go ask for a bunch of donations, I am positive I would get them. I don't want you to do that. 
That's not a win-win in my mind because I can't guarantee you any value for the money you would contribute. I wish I could, but I can't. So rather than do that, rather than ask you to give up a resource you need yourself for an outcome that I can't guarantee, that could be a lose-win. It could be a lose-lose for all I know. But here's a better way to approach it, and this is why I asked for the support the way I did. And I even said, don't just go buy something from our store, a product or a service, because I asked you to. And I know people would do that too. And I appreciate that, probably more than you'll ever know. But I don't want you to do that. I want you to look at the products and services that we offer. And I want you to make an honest assessment about whether they would provide value in your life. That is a true win-win. I get more resources because we do make a profit on everything we sell in the store. It would be crazy if we didn't. So I make a profit. That's a win for me. I will commit those profits, lots of them, to fighting this battle. And you get more value in your life. That's a win-win. When you think about that with every interaction you have with any other human being, it will change your life. That's how you build good relationships. That's how you create positive win-win negotiations. It's how you get people to pay you more because you're giving them more value back. That is the essence of a free market and a free economy. Think win-win in everything you do. How can you bring more value to other people? Now, you're going to find that all of these habits work together. Some of them are even very similar. That was habit number four. Let me recap. Habit number one, be proactive. Habit number two, begin with the end in mind. Habit number three, put first things first. Habit number four, think win-win. Now, we'll move on to the fifth habit, which I struggle with the most. I still do. I struggled with it 30 years ago. Uh, But I've developed some strategies that really help me with this. Habit number five, this might be also the hardest one to understand. Seek to understand first before making yourself understood. Wow, even that sentence when I read it now is not all that clear. And here's why I struggle with it. I, I love to help people. I love to share things that I've learned. As soon as I learn something, I, I want to go tell it to somebody else. I want to share it with people. So I find myself always trying to make myself be understood. And I have to stop and tell myself over and over and over, seek to understand first. Let me give you probably the best example of this, and many of you have heard this story many times, so I'll give you the quick Reader's Digest version of it. Many of you remember Kim. She came to us, the, the, the owners of the company, and said, we need to work on health, and I immediately said, hell no, we don't. That's not what we do. We do business, we do money, we do fuel mileage. I don't want to get distracted. Let somebody else do health. And I fought it hard for a year. 
I should have whacked myself over the head and said, go back to habit number five, dummy, and stop trying to make everybody understand you for a minute and try to understand. Try to understand why Kim was saying this. Kim was saying it because she was talking to people and getting feedback and she was looking. I wasn't. And I'm glad that she did. And I'm glad I finally came to my senses. And once I understood why everybody around me seemed to be so adamant that we needed to do this and I was constantly fighting back, then everything changed. And now I have to say that health is uh, the, the majority of our business now. It is um, the single biggest segment of our business. That's a pretty major thing. Our business was, was pretty big before. Health added a lot to it. And I also have to say, the fact that we started down the health path has, has been the best thing for me, my own health. Um, but it's so satisfying that we get to help more people now, not just owner-operators. We get to help drivers, their families, their friends, people who stumble across us from other places. It, it was a very, very big turning point in our company, and I fought it for a year because I didn't follow habit number five. Now, once I realized what an idiot I was being, I also used the rule. Many of you will remember. I said, Kim, if you want to get started with your knowledge on health, and Kim started our first Destination Health podcast and did it by herself for quite some time. She did an amazing job at it. While she did that, I said, before I try to make myself understood about health, I'm damn well going to make sure I understand it first. I used habit number five. Seek to understand first before making yourself understood. I committed to reading 100 of the newest health books in a year, and I completed it around nine months and kept going. And this is why I went back to these rules. They work so well. This is why this book is a classic 30 years later, I'm still leaning on it and using it and recommending it heavily in a time where I'm not sure some of the things we all should be doing. This is what I go back to. Six, love this one, and I think we do a lot of this, and I think we do it really well as a company. Learn to synergize. Synergize is kind of like saying, You know, in math, two plus two is always four. But in business, two plus two can sometimes be five or 10 or even 15. We can create multipliers instead of just adding when we synergize with people. And synergize goes hand in hand with think win-win. Think of our partnerships with, with the companies that we partner with. Pittsburgh Power. I can't think of a single shop in the country that has done more to help owner-operators for 40 years than Pittsburgh Power, not a single shop. And I was out there helping owner-operators with other things. When we combine the two, it not only becomes a win-win, it becomes a win-win-win. We're all in business We all have goals we want to accomplish, and all three of us together 
our company, Pittsburgh Power, and your business, it becomes far more powerful. That's synergizing. Everybody wins. The last habit, the habit that um, we all struggle with, and it's probably the most important. That's why it's last. All of this stuff sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? It is. This is the hard work. Those six, well, all seven, it could be the definition of hard work. It's how you make your hard work more effective as well with all seven of these. And number seven is probably the hardest of the hard work. It's called sharpen the saw. That means take care of you. Improve you. Don't just take care of you. You have to take care of you, but you have to improve you too. You have to read. You have to learn. You have to get healthy. You have to get strong. You have to put your ego aside sometimes and say, I was wrong. But I'm going to learn from that, and I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to do it again and again and again until I get it right. And if I start something and I fail or I quit, I'm not going to wait till next Monday or next month or tomorrow. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to do it again. But I'm, I'm going to take time to make sure I keep the saw sharp. You know, there are several quotes out there. I always get them confused. Who said what, whether it was George Washington and the cherry tree or Abe Lincoln, I don't know. Somebody famous made several statements like this. Give me four hours to cut down a tree and I'll spend the first three hours sharpening the saw. I don't remember who said it. I may not even be quoting it correctly, but you get the idea. Sharpen the saw. That means take care of you and constantly improve. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.